All right. It's been a good day. My bike ride in. Because uh, it's important to get our health in and ahead because my knees were bothering me, but it was time to get back on the road. So I did. Uh, it was a great ride. Anyways, yesterday we were talking about being emotionally strong. And as I was going through there, I found a few other nuggets I wanted to share. Also wanted to put a plug in um, for my book, which I'll, uh, we'll talk about that near the end. But there was some great, great quotes within this book that I wanted to share to kind of help you as they have helped me. Just one quick moment. Okay, I'm back. So, we talk about, um, there's a, uh, John Maxwell talks in his book about a, um, lessons he learned from Nelson Mandela. I thought this was good. He said, our surroundings need not control our spirit. People who devalue us do not determine our value. Dreams can be birthed birth during the daily grind. And out of our brokenness, we can be made whole and bring healing to others. I thought that was excellent. Then there was this thing here. I've taken responsibility for the things I can control. Now, these are great. And uh, these aren't in my book, but uh, you can find them or you can pick them up on the uh, tape. But it says, things I can control. My attitude. They always talk about that. Attitude is vital. Only I will determine how I think or feel. I talked about the guy who talked about being in the shower and how um, attitude um, you, we choose our attitude every morning when we get in the shower. My time. Only I will determine how I spend time and whom I spend it with. That's very critical. A lot of times, um, you know, uh, sometimes we're we're put in situations where we're with people that aren't really that positive, that are drains on us. We need to intentionally find people that don't, that aren't a drain, but actually are a um, a funnel for positive energy. I just hope that maybe uh, some of my energy does that does that for you as well. Uh, my priorities only I will determine what is important in my life and how much time I give to these essentials. And I think that's critical. And and I'd like to pause for a minute to talk about work. A lot of times. Um, a lot of times we put in this extra time in work. And a long time ago, I thought to myself, you know, why why am I doing this? I, I, we, we, we get in this oxymoron where we put in all this extra time because we want to have better things for our family. But the, the very people we're doing it for, the very people we're spending less time with. So I think we need to keep things in, in order and uh, and have a job that allows you to Work when it's time to work, but when it's time to get off, don't spend that extra time because think about it. When you do that, you're losing that time with your family, particularly when you have children and they're still at home. Um, and I can say because all three of mine are grown now, but those precious hours, those precious times only last for so long, then they're gone. 
And what you pour into them is going to come out later. Train up a child in the way he'll go, and when he grows up, he'll not depart from those ways. He may depart for a little while, but he'll come back. But you got to be there to do that. And it's one of the things I always talk about on work, but it works at home too. You know, you can have a great employee uh, with great skills, but they never show up. Then what good are they to you? You need people who show up and have a good attitude. Same thing at home. You got to have a good attitude and you got to be there. Um, they talk about sometimes when uh, it, when there's grief. I remember the pastor saying, it's not important what you say. It's important that you're there. People remember you that you were there. They may not remember what you said, but they remember that you're there. So that's important. So that's um, priority. So we determine our priorities. Our passion, only I will identify what I love and what I was created to do. Only you know what you're good at and what you love to do. Um, and then be able to share that with others. That's what makes the difference, being able to share share with others those things that are great. Your passion, your love. Like my thing is, like I said, I learned a long time ago, I've had this uncanny energy force of positive that I like to share with others to hopefully, you know, bring up, bring up their day a little bit. Then uh, potential, only I will determine where I commit myself to grow. You determine that in my calling, only I will answer to God someday for my purpose. And then this last line was very good. I will devote my energy to these things. At times, this may cause people to be unhappy with me, but I won't be unhappy with myself. Only I am responsible for how I steward these areas and the energy I give them. And only I will answer to God for them. Yeah, so how we, how we use that energy, uh, they say you can't give what you don't have. If you're not happy, you're not going to make anyone else happy. So you've got to give. Uh, you've got to, well, one, you got to take care of yourself first. I heard not too long ago um, someone was saying about that, that, well, I think John, I was listening to John Maxwell. He's talking about that thought of putting on, uh, being in the uh, airplane, they talk about putting on your oxygen first when they go to the safety thing before you put it on say, an older person or a child, because you're no good if you don't have it on yourself first. I mean, you may save the child, but then you lose yourself. You can put it on yourself. Then you have the ability to help others as well. Okay. And then I found a great quote, quote from a lady, Lolly Daskal, president of Lead From Within. And this is good. Uh, what she wrote, she said, it's human nature to resist change, particularly when it comes in the form of adversity or challenges. But change is inevitable, and developing the trait of resilience helps us not to only survive change, but also learn, grow, and thrive on it. So what is resilience? Resilience is the capacity to cope with stress and adversity. It comes from believing in yourself and, at the same time, in something bigger than yourself. Resilience is not a trait that people were born with, but it involves behaviors, thoughts, and actions that can be learned, 
and developed in anyone. So one more time, resilience is the capacity to cope with stress and adversity. It comes from believing in yourself and at the same time believing in something greater or bigger than yourself. Resilience is not a trait uh, that people are born with. It involves behaviors, thoughts, and actions that can be learned and developed in anyone. Then there was Eric Gretchen and the author Resilience. Now this is excellent because this is this when I when I share these things, these are things I, I'm uh, dealing with within myself at the same time. So I'm growing as you grow, um, but I think they're great thoughts that need to be shared, um, and it helps internalize it for me. Uh, so Eric Gretchen in Resilience says, "You will fail." especially in the beginning, you will fail. And that's not just okay, it's essential. Did you hear that? It's not okay, it's essential. Without resilience, the first failure is also the last because it's final. Those who are excellent at their work have learned to com comfortably coexist with failure. The excellent fail more often than the mediocre. They begin more, they attempt more, and they attacked more. Mastery lives quietly atop a mountain of mistakes. So, my lesson to you, fail often and fail quickly, and it'll move you further ahead. <laughs> fail often, fail quickly. Excellent. That is on the chapter of thinking, and this is, this is really good. We need to increase our thinking capacity. Uh, Thomas Edison, I believe, and I think I shared this the other day, said that 5% of the people think, 10% think that they think, and 85% would rather die than think. So think is just not mental capacity. It's actually going within and taking ideas and actually working them out in your mind. Because remember, the subconscious mind cannot tell the difference between what's real and what's imagined. So the challenge and the difference between those who are extremely su successful and not is that those who create and become what they really want, they take that, and I was reading the other day, and they take, and you write those values and those goals out and that purpose out, but then you don't put it away. You work on it on a weekly, a monthly, daily basis. Uh, a few days ago, I talked about pluses to help increase your um, energy level. And one of them that uh, John Maxwell was talking about was just before uh, when he's had a heavy schedule and things and he's having a hard time focusing, he'll pull out that goal sheet that he has or that uh, purpose sheet that he has. And he'll re-read that to refocus himself on where he's going. I'm in the process of creating that for myself. Um, this is part of a part of the idea. Um, one of the great things I, I, I learned from him is uh, to not sit idle, but take action. And that's what we do here. We take action. <laughs> okay. So how to increase, increase in capacity says, if you want to increase your overall success capacity, then you need to increase your thinking capacity. And with that, we all have ideas. 
But what happens a lot of times with those ideas? We dismiss them too quickly. What we really need to do, and what I've began to do, is to write those ideas down and then recircle back to them. If they're good ideas, then they'll make sense. But ideas in themselves are not complete when you first get them. One of the things um, it talked about was, uh, one guy was talking about when writing, is that once you first write an idea down, it forces you to think that idea through in a more logical sense. And then the complete part of that is to, to read it out loud, to emotionally attach to it. Because remember, the subconscious deals with the emotional side. The intellect side deals with the logic side. Because let's face it, we buy with emotion. And then we logically justify what we what we buy. So always remember that's a, that's a key. We buy with emotion, with our emotions, and then we justify it with our logic. So it's important to read out those ideas to 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 get those feelings within it. I mean, if you don't have any uh, positive energy and you're reading these ideas, then obviously then they're ones that you need to put aside. But I'll take it one step further. Sometimes we work through ideas, and I heard this from Paul Mondelli, and that idea may not be for you. You may write it out. It may sound good, but it may not be the idea for you. So you just file those ideas. Because I promise you, uh, God knows what He's doing. There may come a, there will, not may, there will come a time when someone mentions something to you, and that idea pops back in your head, and you're like, you know, I just wrote out an idea. I've got the great idea that will work in this situation that you're working through. So that's uh, that's critical stuff. Um, and then there was a. A couple of more notes. Here, this is another good short paragraph that I wanted to share with you. It says, anytime you have an idea that can add value to others, you should take note of it and plan to give it more thought. Ask yourself, where can I maximize that idea? If it will help your organization, apply it there. Also pay attention if the idea meets you where you are in your life journey. If it will help you become better in one of your strengths, or if it will help you grow and get better. When you get one of those ideas, pay attention and prepare to go to step two. And that's where it talked about writing out to clarify, because ideas themselves, it's kind of like ideas being birthed. We, we think of that concept of, of birthing something being messy, because birthing is messy. So we have to, um, um, well, you have to go through that mess to get, to clarify and determine uh, what needs to be done. And then finally, one of the best things, and this was a good story too, talked about find a place to keep your thoughts and capture your thinking. Have a place where you sit. <laughs> that's uh that was an interesting story but that's not the one i was thinking of 
But I do have one other thought I want to share a quick. Hold on a second. Uh, mm-hmm. Yes, I'll read this one. This is good. He says, um, Well, I want to encourage you to find a place to find your thoughts. What do I mean by that? You need to condition yourself to think in certain places. Early in my life, I had a thinking rocker. As I got older, I wanted a place that was a little more comfortable. So I designated one particular chair in my office as my thinking spot, and it doesn't matter where it is. Just pick your place and spend time there. Good thoughts will show up. That reminds me of a story I once heard by Charles Kettering, the founder of Delco. He once bet a friend of his $100 that he could make him buy a bird. The friend thought the idea was absurd, so he agreed to the bet. That Christmas, Kettering bought a friend a beautiful, elaborate, and very expensive birdcage and had it delivered to the man's house. It was set up right by the front door so all guests would see it. The friend understood Kettering's strategy, but he had no intention of getting a bird for the cage. However, every time that guests visited the man at his home, they would admire the cage and remark about how beautiful it was. And they would always ask, where's the bird? Finally, the friend got so sick of the question that he gave in and he bought a bird. The moral of the story, when you have a designated place for something, whatever it is, there is the sense within you that it needs to be filled. And you'll feel yourself doing, no, and you'll find yourself doing what it takes to fill it. That holds true for your thinking. So that's it for you, for me. I'm going to find a thinking place and then I'm going to start going there just to think. That will be the thinking spot. I think I may have, have to get a couple because I was thinking uh, the, my office, I'm in here all the time. So that's not really a thinking place or something somewhere else in the house. But um, it's just me and my wife here. So sometimes I may not uh, have a quiet place. So I've got to really think through that to, to maybe have one or two in alternate. Anyways, that's for thinking. So now I was talking about that book and, and you know, I'm still um, just want to get it distributed because it's such great ideas. Here's one uh, that I wanted to share because this, this hit me many years ago. And I think it was like in 19, uh, guy 91, I think it was 92 or 93. I heard Jim Rohn speak. He talked about the five pieces of the life puzzle. He said, philosophy, we're determined, uh, we're affected by how we think. Attitude, we're affected by how we feel. Activity, those are the things that get it done. And the results is the name of the game. And then lifestyle. But let's look at philosophy for a second. Now, if you get this book, you'll have this stuff because I wrote it all in there. Philosophy, we're affected by what we know. Each person should develop a guidance system who serves two purposes. First, it helps us avoid the dangers, and second, it helps us see the opportunities. 
We need to develop the mind to think and process ideas and information. And each person's personal philosophy is a major factor in how their life works out. Listen to that. We need to develop the mind to think and process ideas and information. Each person's personal philosophy is the major factor in how their life works out. The wind blows, according to Jim Rohn, the wind blows on us all. It's not the blowing of the wind, it's the setting of the sail. Uh, wind's comprised of change, opportunity, and prosperity. Now, here's the part I wanted to get to. Philosophy, his definition, this is excellent. It's the sum total of what you know. That's number one. And number two, you decide which knowledge is valuable enough to bet your money and your time on. So what is philosophy? We all read and we all experience a lot. So some total of what we know. And then that second part, which is very critical, it's what you decide that now, um, it's what you decide which knowledge is valuable enough to bet your money and your time on. So that, that's critical. So I, I highly recommend you get a copy. You, you'll have the rest of those, uh, you know, philosophy, attitude, activity, and results and lifestyle. But this is just um, the one on philosophy that always has carried me forward, thinking about everything I know and what I decide is valuable is what we keep. And the rest you just throw away. I mean, you'll read things and things just don't resonate then don't keep them, just leave them. <laughs> okay. How do you get ideas and knowledge? Okay, and that's exactly what I was talking about. How do you get ideas and knowledge? One is personal experience. And another is other people's experience. Jim Rohn goes to a big thing about find failures and go to them and ask them, how did you get there? What did you do? Interview them. Figure out, you know, what did you do to get where you are? And take notes. And then find those who are successful and ask them the same questions. And, and, and by asking people what they did that probably didn't succeed will help you avoid the mistakes so that you can accelerate uh, your, your own growth. So learn from positive and learn from negative. <laughs> A couple of little more notes on philosophy. Let's see here. Oh, yeah. If you will change, everything will change for you. And that, that's the key. Uh, and John Maxwell talks about the law of the lid. You'll never grow, your company will never grow more than you grow personally. And that's true. I mean, once you grow, then your company grows because everyone grows with you. But there are two. Um, learn the difference between cost and value. <laughs> Learn the difference between cost and value. That's that is probably one of the key lessons within the marketplace. You see, we will always get paid for the value, but what something costs does not always uh, show up in the, the value. We don't get paid for the value always up front. That's why we talk about work harder on yourself than you do anyone else. 
because you're putting an investment within your future. And once you increase your value, eventually uh, your income and your finances is going to catch up with you. It's just uh, it's just the way life is. Uh, so you increase your value. You don't worry about what it costs. Uh, uh, you increase that value and not worry about the time that you put in, but realize that by increasing your value, eventually it's going to catch up and, you know, be able to share with others and add value to others and become more valuable yourself and people pay for value. I know that, um, you know, that story about me with um, uh, the system that I learned and uh, when I lost my job because I had expertise there, because I had taken the time to learn. Uh, no one taught me. I had to learn it myself. And as a result, you know, I was not worried when I kind of lost my job because I knew that people, I had a skill that people needed. And uh, all I had to do is uh, put it out there that, you know, I was available and I can help them. And you do too. You have skills that you have uh, that people need and you perfected those skills. And sometimes we just need to let people know and people will pay for pay for good, good, um, good knowledge and good skills and good experience. And experience is one of those things that really make a big difference. So that's philosophy. These great nuggets I'm telling you is in this book. And, and when you get it, uh, it can make a difference. It's just value I want to I want to share with others, but you know I don't see a lot of people grabbing for it. <laughs> How to learn from people is the last part of philosophy, and that is, uh, I think it is. It's the end of this page. It says, "Well, there are two kinds of people to learn from: failures and successes." We talked about that, and then how to learn from people: observe well, see, listen well, hear, be a selective listener. Yeah, look for the positive, not the negative. I mean, you can find a negative. The law, there is a universal law that's called the law of polarity. There's the positive side to every negative. And you can choose. And I already told the story about the wise man at the gate, the two people that came through. Um, I flip back a few days and you can find it. But uh, yeah. And then read books. But I'll, I'll go a step further because one of the things that um, when I was listening to a mentor the other day, the uh, person was talking about, I'm going to read you know, one book per week and get all these books. Well, here's the problem. And I learned this also from Christian Simpson, the mentor of mine, is that you can read the books. But the problem is, like I do, we skip the exercises. It's in internalizing the questions at the end of each chapter where you have to go within. And and I know, and I've been there, and uh, Christian talked about this, talked about he used to do the same thing. It's when you start reading and internalizing, using those questions, and you dig in, that's where the growth begins. He talked about losing his two largest, he's a coach, he talked about losing his two largest clients and virtually going from scratch. Within a four-year period, ended up uh, generating over a million dollars in his business because 
he was willing to go within instead of just reading and skipping through the questions they actually take those questions and start to internalize and answer them for yourself so that it really begins to make a difference within within you that's where the change is it's not in the change does not occur just in uh reading i mean it's great material intellectual genius the greatest gap i always talk about is between knowing and doing trust me i've been there you ask me questions i got great knowledge but the experiential part the uh practitioner part as they say getting out there and doing it there is no greater joy you can be an intellectual genius but unless you put it to action you're not going to actually grow and affect others in a positive way okay so um i'll put the link again for the book you know just sign up uh yeah you you, you put your email in there but here's the thing my thing is to add value and from time to time i'll probably send something good like um you know the four the four biggest fears people have or the five biggest conflicts that people have great things that will help you continue to grow but um yeah this is this is great um like i said i'm in the chapter on thinking and um i'm, I'm finding that thinking is critical uh, ideas come and we don't take those ideas and act on them um uh, another mentor talked about uh, he'll have some ideas that uh, he'll put aside that he's going to uh, just generate an hour thinking on those or then there are other other ideas that uh, uh, have some great value that he'll spend four hours put aside four hours to think through those something to think about just giving you some tools some some avenues it's great i got i see my my friend mike randy uh and uh new ernest ford great to see you too this is it for tonight. Uh, see you tomorrow at uh, tomorrow's church. So I'll probably be on around 830 uh, because of the night service. Thanks. Have a good night.